0: Welcome, investors, to Stocks to Watch. I'm Ashley Barry, and here with me from the OTC Markets Group is Jason Paltrowitz, Executive Vice President of Corporate Services, where he's responsible for managing the firm's international and domestic corporate service business. The group is headquartered in New York City, and as we should mention, OTC-traded securities are organized into three separate markets to inform investors of opportunities and risks. The OTCQX, the OTCQB, and Pink. Welcome to the show, Jason. We're excited to speak with you today.
1: Great. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate the opportunity.
0: Sure. So the OTC markets have increasingly become a focal point for companies and investors alike, serving as a crucial platform for small and mid-cap companies to really secure that funding. Could you elaborate on the distinctive characteristics of the OTC markets and discuss how their trading volumes have evolved over the years?
1: Sure. So, as, as you rightly pointed out, we, we operate three markets, and the top two are OTC, QB, and QX markets, what we call our premium markets, or what the SEC is deemed to be what's called established public markets. Uh, these are publicly traded companies, um, predominantly based overseas, so listed on a market outside the US um, that are looking to access capital and investors in the US. Our QB market is a venture market, so early stage growth companies. From places like Canada, Australia, Israel, um, listed in their home market, but that are, again, looking to access US capital and investors. and Then our OTCQX market, the bigger market, um, where you'll find companies like Roche, Adidas, and Heineken, not necessarily looking to raise capital per se, but that are looking to have um, access into the US or to give US investors the ability to trade their securities in a dollar-denominated uh, security that trades in U.S. market hours and that can be um, bought and sold through their their U.S. broker of choice. Um, you know, in the small and mid cap space, what we've really become um, for a lot of these companies is what I would call public venture capital. Um, mm-hmm. It's the ability to be a public company, um, but to use being on what's called again the established public market status uh, to be able to go out and raise money in the U.S. Um, to support their growth. And when you look at our OTCQB market, um, many of those companies that are that are listed on TSXV or Tel Aviv or Australia or AIM in, in London, um, they're really coming here to look to, to raise capital and to have that secondary market support from the US that they might not um, naturally get in, in their home market. And so those trading volumes um, and values continue to grow. Um, as the market and the number of companies uh, that join our market continue to grow.
0: Yeah, you really uh, provide that secure pathway, I would say. Um, Companies listed on the OTC markets often find themselves in the early stages of growth and as such require additional support to navigate their developmental path. So really what types of support do you provide to those companies in particular and how do you customize those solutions to meet their unique needs?
1: Well, first of all, again, we take the approach. And if you think that 85% of the companies on our market are not U.S. based, right? So they're predominantly listed on on other markets. Um, we take the approach that disclosure and a rights, you know, providing the right amount of disclosure and being on a market that's right sized to your needs really helps companies focus on growing their business and less on. Um, what it takes to be publicly traded. And so when you look at companies that list on whether it be NASDAQ or the New York Stock Exchange, um, as an example, that comes with a lot of work and a lot of extra complex um, disclosure requirements, legal requirements, risk requirements that we feel companies in the early stage of of their public life don't need. Um, So we provide a market that's right-sized, that uses a disclosure-based um, listing requirement versus a merit based. And that allows companies to think again about how do they fund themselves and grow their business over the long cycle rather than kind of um, listing and taking on the additional burden of, of a US listing. To support that, we provide a number of services to help whether it's grow their visibility, um, to help them learn how to be public in the US, introducing them to the network of. We have a premium provider directory of service providers that really understand small company growth and what it takes, whether it be from an investor relations perspective or from an accounting perspective or um, from a non-deal roadshow perspective. All of those things to kind of help them grow um, into being the bigger public company they hope to be.
0: Which is exactly what I was going to say, that platform that you provide really single-handedly helps these companies expand. Um, You're talking about globally, OTC markets distinguished by the ability to offer both Canadian and non-Canadian companies cost-effective and flexible access to capital, as you mentioned, a notable feature is the capability to list local trade global. That's facilitated by an exemption under the Exchange Act. Maybe you can explain how this exemption operates in practice and its benefits for companies.
1: Yes, the famous 12G32B, the sexy (laughs) name the SEC gives uh, gives their rules. Um, This is what's known as the foreign private issuer exemption. And it's really unique. Uh, It's kind of our special sauce, if you will. And what it basically says is, so long as you're listed on a qualified foreign exchange outside of the US, you're a company in good standing, and you're making all of your disclosure available, um, if you make that disclosure available through the markets that we operate, OTC, QX, and QB, um, you, in essence, become exempt from SEC reporting, from Sarbanes-Oxley, from having to reconcile to US GAAP. So you can take advantage of your local market disclosure and listing requirements, but still have a U.S. market with, again, without having to have that additional cost and complexity. So you can list in your local market. You can be a national champion. You can fly the flag of Canada or the U.K. or Israel or wherever you're listed. Mm -hmm. Um, But you can still have all the benefits of a cross-listing into the U.S., again, without the cost, complexity and added risk of becoming a U.S. registrant. Um, And so all the talk about the added D&O insurance or litigation risk that comes with being a Sarbanes-Oxley issuer, you don't have to have that. And so if you look at some of the biggest brands that trade on our market, and again, I mentioned Roche, Adidas, Heineken, Mm -hmm. these are all companies that understand their local disclosure. Uh, Air Canada is another one in Canada. They all understand their local disclosure. They know how to be listed in their home market. But there's still significant advantages to being accessible to U.S. investors. And so you can have the best of both worlds. You can list local and trade global um, without having to to take on that additional burden of of being a U.S. listed uh, company.
0: That's really helpful. You know, really based on your expertise, you've been doing this a long time, you are definitely a subject matter expert in this area. What trends are currently emerging in the OTC markets, particularly in relation to IPOs?
1: Um, Well, you know, the IPO market's down um, as it has been for a couple of years. Uh, what we are seeing is um, some bad trends and some good trends. Um, so in the really early stage growth companies, we're starting to see too many of these companies believe that the only way to raise capital is to go directly onto a U.S. exchange. And so you're starting to see a significant number of really what we call micro cap and nano cap IPOs onto U.S. exchanges that really aren't fit for purpose. And so we did a a study of the the 2022 and 2023 cohort of sub 500 million market cap companies that have gone directly to an exchange. And many of these have been non-U.S. companies. Um, And what you'll find is the rate of return tends to be in excess of negative 40%. A lot of these companies had to do reverse stock splits. A lot of these companies are already out of compliance with exchange rules. And so that's the negative. Um, the counterbalance to that is what we have seen, though, is companies that are seeing that you know NASDAQ or New York are not necessarily the panacea they, they think they are. And so they are thinking about or going through this list local trade global. So whether it be raising capital and listing on TSXV and then joining our OTCQB market to gain access to that US um, investment, or whether that be in AIM or Australia, we're seeing more companies rethink their path to being public and their path to effectively raising capital in a way that's right sized to where they are in their in their public company lifecycle, um, and so you're seeing a lot of that um, from a sector perspective, um, a lot of that in biotech, um, resource, fintech, green tech, um, uh, you know those sectors really where U.S. investors understand and are interested. Um, and where perhaps there's a valuation gap with their home market and seeing companies being able to navigate that, again, in a much more cost effective, right sized way to where they are in, in the public market.
0: Well, Jason, I think it's really helpful that you mentioned sort of a common misconception with companies thinking that they could only, you know, gain capital by by joining the, the NYSE or, or, you know, other other platforms um i think that's really helpful to mention that um I've, I've come across some companies that think that that is the only way and then and then you find out the otcqb might be the absolute best path for them so so what advice would you offer to companies um, especially when you're talking about was it a negative 40 percent return um you know what would you offer to, to companies that are trading on or considering joining the otc markets uh, to ensure their true success well first
1: of all i i Really, you have to think. I mean, really, the, the advice is to think. Um, you know, so the, there are those misperceptions. And in fact, about $1.3 billion in capital was raised on QX and companies that are on QX and QB last year. Mm. So you can raise capital. There are different paths to raising capital, there are different paths to going public. Um, you know, I think if you're the CEO or the CFO of a micro cap, small cap company, you know, you do have to remember that you have a fiduciary responsibility to your shareholders, your your existing shareholders, the people that were there at the beginning, as well as the people that are gonna come in over time. And so sometimes the easy path. Um, The quick path is not the best path and you should really be thoughtful about who are the bankers and advisors that are advising you. Um, What are the terms of the deal that they're telling you um, that they think is right for your company? and think about what the long-term impacts of of that capital raise will look like downstream. Um, Will it be dilutive? Does it require you to do reverse splits that are not necessarily in your best interest? Um, Are the bankers forcing you into warrant transactions or warrant parts of the transaction that are not gonna be good for your, your early stage shareholders, your angel investors, the people that really believe in your business? Um, Are these bankers placing shares with people that really believe in your company or are these just going to be people that flip your stock on day one um, so that the stock price is going to decline and you are going to be out of compliance? Um, What type of extra legal and accounting support am I going to need to be listed on a national exchange? And is it, you know, affordable? right? Is it really just taking away from the value of my company in order to maintain this listing? And these are a lot of questions that I think companies don't have. Um, Certainly when you look at founder CEOs or companies that just need capital really quickly, Mm -hmm. um, sometimes they don't make the right decision as to where that capital is coming from and they get burnt in the long term. And so our advice is, you know, eyes open, ask questions, get good advisors, um, look at the peer group Um, and see how they performed and the types of deals that have been done um, before you rush into that capital raising environment.
0: I think, you know, those insights and and just your advice will be so helpful for those listening to this. Um, and, And I really like the fact that you, number one, paramount is fiduciary responsibility to your shareholders. I think that that is so important. So thank you for mentioning that. Finally, Jason, from an investor's perspective, what are some sector based trends that you're seeing or are there any sectors where you've seen renewed investor interest?
1: Well, as I mentioned, you know, we continue to see strong interest in in the resource, biotech, fintech, and green tech space. Those tend to move around. You know, even in the green tech, you know, lithium was really hot for a while. Um, that's kind of died down. We're seeing renewed interest in things like copper. Gold continues to be hot. Um, biotech still um, significant interest in that. What's interesting is that through kind of the last year or two, we've seen real renewed interest in, in large caps, in dividend-paying companies, in in companies that have much more of a, a record history of, of growth. You know, some of the boring stuff um, that maybe during COVID wasn't as exciting. Um, but now investors are starting to. Be a little more cautious and thoughtful, um, and looking into into those those companies as well. So it mixes and it goes in and out. Um, but U.S. retail, the self-directed investor in the U.S., continues to be a main driver um, of growth uh, for us, and I think I think for the equity markets generally speaking, um, those are where they're playing. We're seeing right now.
0: Interesting to see that pendulum shift, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, Jason Paltrowitz, Executive Vice President of Corporate Services for the OTC Markets. What a pleasure it was speaking with you today. I really enjoyed this conversation, and I think that it'll be very helpful for our listeners and those watching. Thanks for joining us again here on Stocks to Watch. Have a great day, Jason.
1: Thanks for having me. Appreciate it.